I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show drew christopher welcome everyone to the damn library this is uh, episode 12 of so many damn books and uh, i know you like marking occasions yeah i do uh, this is this particular one is is kind of fun. Uh, we have been friends for a year now. Yeah, indeed, almost almost exactly. Yeah, because we uh, those of you who are longtime listeners will know that we um, we met in the comments section of the Terminal Books last year, and then in real life at the uh, the closing party at Housing Works, which was on like the like the twenty first or something. Right. So it's getting. Our uh, one-year anniversary is coming up. Indeed. What's the What's the correct podcast gift anniversary? <laughs> um, anyway. Books! Literary blood sport. So many, so many, so many damn books. Uh, yeah, so it's been a, I mean, I have wanted to come on the podcast actually to kind of talk about what has gone on so far. I know. It's, uh, it's been, it's been a weird year. It's been a weird year. I think it's been a weird year partially because this, the list is a little weird. Um, it is. Do you, so both of us, but the list is always weird. Well, yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't know if this is true or not. This is the first year that I nearly read everything before the tournament. Yeah. In past years I've read, I think I read 12 and I read a couple while the tournament was going. And so it's been interesting actually having read 14 out of 16 books. Ditto. Uh, also uh, disappointed that the two books I didn't choose, both of them are still in. <laughs> um, well, like the, the Ferrante. Oh, my You gosh. and I have been convinced now by that judgment and those comments, but it's like, who would have thought? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Um, who would have thought? And and I'm I'm excited to read that book. I, I knew I was going to. I mean, the whole all of the things about Alana Ferrante are interesting to me, like uh, you know the serious saga of a family mm-hmm. and the strange like thing about the authorship. Is it one author? Is it three? Yeah. Like I'm very excited about it. Um, and it's cool that it's moving forward because I I'm excited to read more commentary about it. Um. I I mean for me the big upset was Station Eleven losing. I really really was surprised 
I was surprised too. I mean, and I, I, it's got that thing in the um, in the judgment where she's like, "Look, the writing isn't as good," and I'm just like, "The writing." <laughs> and this and the story's not as like finely wrought, and I'm just like, okay, so the two things I care the most about. The, I, there's something interesting about Roxanne's book in the way that it, it resonates very strongly with with a lot of people. It did not resonate terribly strongly with me. Right, I had I, had, I see why it does. I have a suspicion that if it if it doesn't um, win against Annihilation, yeah, it's yeah. um. It's going to be the zombie. See, that's the one. I don't think it will be. I feel like that's one of those books that people are like, uh, but I want to support this. In, in, am I wrong? Or am in, or in the past, do, don't they like tell when the zombies are, you know, they don't, they don't always keep it like a surprise, right? Or do they? What do you mean? Like what, by the time that like all the books that are knocked out, like I feel like we still might be... So, because well, like what just happened, where we had Department of Speculation and Station Eleven as zombies, and then surprising zero people in the world, all the light we cannot see is a zombie, right? And so right now the zombies are all the light we cannot see in Station Eleven, which I would assume would be the zombies. Just like those are the two books that I feel like, you know, they are the Cinderella stories of this past year. Mm-hmm. They are they've been on bestseller lists and um, you know all of that. Yeah, I would say though the 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 loser of Monday's matchup, I think either way has a shot at zombiehood. I think Roxanne's book has a better shot than Jeff Vandermeer's Annihilation, but I could see a universe in which either one of those because they do have ardent fan bases. They're not quite as juggernaughty as as the two that are in there right now. Juggernaughty. But, hey. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think a redeployment has a really good chance of being a zombie as well. That's the third book, maybe. I mean, yeah, you're right. Redeployment or or an untamed state both have a chance. And annihilation, really. I don't think those who leave and those who stay has a chance at a zombie. I think just because en- enough people hadn't read so, it yet. Uh, yeah, the, the general consensus in the comments seems to be, of the folks that didn't read it, were like, well, I didn't have time to read three books. I got to say, I'm really impressed with the people who did. Yeah, good for them. And apparently it's like crack, you know, like you end up having to read all three. I mean, the there was some contention about this, but the um, it was related to the Patrick Melrose quintet. And a couple of people were like, no, it's not like that at all. But a lot of people said the readability of it and the way that it just, the minute you start reading it, you're like, yeah, I want to know what happens to these yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the commentariat, it's fun to see old friends, isn't it? It is. <laughs> and also, isn't it weird to know like... Like uh, Sofen Riespa and like John, Do- like you know their name. Oh yeah, Jundo and um. Well, hey, he's uh he's Marinus now. Marin, right? And um, it's only Zach. Yep. Um. And yeah, of, and like a, and of course Melanie. Yeah, yeah just like people that we know now, just through this tournament, we only come around and hang out in a room online. Yeah. For a month. Or like I've started to like some like I talk to some of them on Twitter occasionally. I'm like, this is weird. This is out of context for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I need to see the red and the light yellow when I talk to you <laughs> usually. Where's my disgust login? <laughs> um so where we are right now, we've got we've got two weeks left in the games. Yes. Well, a week and a half. Um and we'll be back next week too. We're gonna have uh yeah, week we'll, to week. Yeah, we'll be We'll be back next Sunday, and then we'll have a little wrap-up episode, too. Um, 
But where, from where we stand right now, yeah. the books that are in, the books that are zombies, where do you think, where do you think it's going? Well, I think, um, I think Brief History of Seven Killings, it's just got that conversation around it that makes me feel like, like people are almost like, like scared to, to badmouth it. Um, and and I, get, I get it because I also am scared to badmouth it because it is such an achievement and it is such an incredibly voice-driven novel and it's so different from anything else that I read last year. Um, but, you know, I didn't like it. So <laughs> I think it would be one of those judgments that people would get real mad at because if, if I was writing it, because at the, I would write really nice things and then be like, <laughs> and I don't want it to win. And then be and like, I chose this book that two other people read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel like the, the conversation around brief history, uh, makes me feel like that one has, has a good chance of, of getting all the way. Yeah. I could, I can see that in the final, um, I would really love to see a brief history versus annihilation. Oh man. I think that that would be, that'd be the interesting matchup. And I feel like annihilation has, has, has a chance to kind of do that. Yeah. They're both, they're both very distinct voices in those novels. Right. And they're, they're trying very different things, but they get into the heads of their characters uh, in very similar ways. But I think the other possible matchup, um, would be, I just think All the Light is almost definitely the, a zombie no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I would say that one has a chance to beat whatever, and then it's Brief History versus... Wait, can that happen? Yeah. I could see... Well, it depends. That's always the thing of the zombie. Like, if a zombie has already faced off against... Oh, it goes out against the other one? Yeah. Uh-huh. That um, I remember that happened with, the, with Freedom and Goon Squad. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because they yeah. had already faced, so they had to flip it even though Goon Squad had gotten the most, or whatever, I forget. Something had gotten the most votes, but it had to be the two seed because of how the... the but they could go against each other. Brief History and All the Light can, right? They could. Yeah. Zombie. Yeah. They could. Yeah, and I think that that... I think that, that, uh, that would be a very divisive yeah, judgment. I w- in, in the best possible way. Yeah, I really... I kind of would like to see that. You know, no offense to Sarah Waters. I'm pretty sure Brief History is going to walk all over the paying guests. Yes. Um, Although I kept, I've said that twice now, so I obviously know. I was going to say, yeah, I, <laughs> I thought All the Light was going to walk all over paying guests. And so. I also thought a Brave Man Seven Stories Tall was going to walk all over a sp- the paying guests. So should have. Will we love you? <laughs> oh well. Uh, yeah. So I think it, I don't know. Like the. At this point, I always throw out my bracket and it, because it's like too coffee stained and ripped up from my <laughs> pen and like angry drawings around the books anyway. So, yeah. Uh, do you have any uh, predictions? I, what are the f- two zombies? What in your eyes? If I was picking the two zombies, I think it or do what I think it's going to be. Yeah. I think it's going to be all the light and Station Eleven. Really? I do. Okay. Um, which is upsetting if Annihilation loses on Monday. Right. Uh, for me personally, but yeah, I think I think it's those two for the things we talked about earlier. They're the the two, you know, literary darlings of the year. So right. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about what we've got to do right now. What we've got coming up, um, a conversation with with one of the men behind the booth. Yeah. Mr. John Warner. Mr. John Warner. He's coming on with uh, on a phone call, so excuse the audio. Yeah, and uh, and so uh, let's uh, let's go uh, talk to John.
Yeah, little musical break. Okay, well, um, why don't we just why don't we dive right on in? It's been a really fascinating tournament uh, this year so far. Uh, basically, nothing that I thought would move forward is advancing. <laughs> uh, you know how 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 are you finding it? The temperature of everything, and uh, is it as good this year and previous years? That sort of thing. Yeah, I think um, I'm with you. Nothing, nothing that I either necessarily thought was going to win or wanted to win is advancing with a couple of exceptions. Um, my, you know, my two biggest personal favorites were um, A Brave Man Seven Stories Tall, which I've been hanging on about for probably six or seven months, um, and then Department of Speculation. And so when both of those went out, I was disappointed. But this is par for the course. I've, I've never had my first picks uh, I don't even know if they've ever survived the first round, let alone one. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just I'm just kind of used to it by now. And the, the fascinating part when when that happens, I think, is then uh, you know I I open the page and get ready for the for the reader comments with as much excitement, maybe more than anybody, because I'm really eager to hear how other people are going to react to these things. Because I've I've already had a chance to react. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see when some people agree with me and, and I get to hear those who don't agree why they don't agree. And it makes me think again. And there's been times, uh, you know, it was a few years ago when uh, Sisters Brothers ended up winning, where yeah. I was not a tremendous fan of that book out of the gate. But, you know, the, the, the commentary had sort of talked me into it over the rounds. And uh, I was rooting for it once it made it to the finals. Yeah, I was so surprised at that book uh, winning as well uh, that year, um, and it's been surprising to it was it was very disappointing to read St- uh, Stephen March's decision on uh, on uh, a brave man seven stories tall, and I think that that's kind of the strange the strange good and bad thing about the tournament is actually you know you would never get to see that um, tournament behind closed doors if it was like the you know the National Book Awards or something, but seeing that like maybe he didn't give, like, you can kind of try to read between the lines and see, like, oh, do you think you, you know, even read the second half of the book or any of that? <laughs> yeah, I think there's, uh, that really was the goal of the whole thing, right? This, this sort of transparency. And, and uh, uh, Stephen, you know, he, he's the kind of person that, that could be on those sorts of juries, like National Book Award or, or Pulitzer, where it's all secret. And we never get to know what happened? I, I think I remember uh, hearing somewhere where, like, for the, for the National Book Award, they have to quote unquote read 200 or 300 and some books. I mean, oh, that's man. just impossible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I guess you'd have to only that, put... that some are going to get dismissed on you know a chapter, or one person's going to read it and decide it's not any good, and that'll stand in for everybody else. So we really just sort of. Uh, I don't think our, in a lot of ways, our the tournament works similar to other book awards. It's just you get to see all the working happening uh, as it happens, rather than you know announcing a winner and this kind of thing. Uh, so for the past couple of days, people have been mentioning um, Edward Saint Aubin uh, and and his Patrick Melrose series, but his most recent novel, uh, Lost for Words, uh, I, I read, sort of thinking it might be in the tournament, but because it's about choosing a book. Uh, <laughs> 
right. award, like giving a book award. And so it's been kind of funny that that there's so much um, talk about him. Uh, did you did, have you read Lost for Words? I did, and because uh, I'm a huge fan of was a huge fan of Patrick Melrose novels, and uh, I think that was probably a week of release um, read for me. And I thought the book was it's really funny, and it's uh, uh, you know kind of devastating satire in some ways, but it's, it doesn't, at least my take was, it didn't have a, a lot of heft, uh, if that's the right word. Um, if it did, I would have been hot on it to be in the tournament just because it is about, you know, authors vying for, I guess, sort of a Booker Prize. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting now that authors authors who know about the tournament get excited about it and want to be in it. When we talked to Will Chancellor, he was like, yeah, that's the only prize that I really pay attention to anymore. Um, and right. I, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's a, a kind of, uh, we have this nice process now where, um, you know, we have judges that then come, come back and their books show up in the tournament the next years. And, uh, it just becomes this kind of, I know like Roxanne Gay had been tweeting about how excited she is to be in the tournament after being a judge last year. And I think she was probably watching it before then. So it's nice. It's sort of, a, it's a thing. I mean, it's a thing that started as just a lark and, um, sort of taken on a life of its own. Yeah. What's it been like watching like sort of the progressions? You've been there from the very early days. Yeah. Why don't you actually tell the story of how you got involved with the tournament of books and how you ended up in the booth? Yes, yeah, so the the tournament really is the brainchild of Kevin Guilfoyle, um, Rosecrans Baldwin, and Andrew Womack, uh, the, the guys from the Morning News. And the very first year, uh, I was a judge. I think it was in the semifinal rounds, and um, it was between Tom Wolfe's I Am Charlotte Simmons and remember the other book. Uh, I just know I thought the other book was boring, and I am sure mm-hmm. Simmons was pretty terrible, but was sort of entertaining, so I chose it. Um, and it was before we had comments. Otherwise, I think I really would have been, I would have been targeted pretty severely by the, by the commentary. <laughs> uh, but the, the next year, uh, I wasn't doing the judge. It was like during my spring break or something, and and Kevin, um, Kevin, I think he emailed me out of the blue saying, oh, I'm doing these commentaries, and it's so hard to do it alone. Do you want to pitch in? So uh, if anybody's really curious, they can dig back in the archives. But I think it was maybe in the second round or maybe midway through the first round, I show up, and Kevin and I just start doing back-and-forth dialogue. Um, and a lot of it early on was sort of shtick. Like, we would really just make jokes. We wouldn't comment about the books hardly. Uh, we would use it as a chance to just kind of try to be funny in the context of it. Um, mostly because we, you know, he and I hadn't read any of the books. But then after that first year, we, we decided, and let's take this seriously, or at least semi-seriously. And let's read the books and let's, let's think about it. And, uh, then with a year to kind of prepare where, you know, he and I are friends and we're, we're always talking and emailing about books anyway. So for us, it's a kind of year-long dialogue about what we're reading, what we think we should champion, what we might talk about. You know, we talk a lot about writing and publishing of our own stuff with each other. And, you know, by the time the tournament comes around, we just have this... this uh, 
bunch of material we're sort of eager to get out. And now that there's all these comments, um, it's just even better because it's like it's sort of it's almost like throwing chum into the water, and the sharks come and just eat it up <laughs> and make it into something else. And uh, it, it's it's really taken on this life of its own. And um, it's hard to say like you're shocked because it's been such a long kind of slow evolution each year being, you know, a little bit bigger than the last, but looking back, you know, at the first year, um, into it now being a thing that, uh, people pay attention to and stores do the displays for, and, uh, you know, the wire services pick up when we announce our winner. It just, it's, it is sort of bizarre, but it's a lot of fun. Um, another question I have is, you know, about a Friday's matchup, you know, uh, Sarah Waters paying guests versus Anthony Doerr's uh, All the Light We Cannot See. It was it was really surprising to both me and Andrew that uh, All the Light We Cannot See didn't win today. I mean, on Friday. I was sort of curious, since you didn't get to be in the booth on Friday, uh, if you wanted to to add anything to that. Yeah, I, I was I'm surprised, too. Now, some of it is, I didn't, the paying guests is... Uh, the one book I didn't even read a word of for the tournament this year. And the, 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 the primary reason, there's, there's a couple reasons. One is it's long. And the other was I'd read other um, Sarah Waters books. So I, I sort of was like, well, I know what she's about. And, and my feeling was I know that she's, you know, like a total pro. Like she's not going to write a, a terrible novel. It's, it's a novelist like... Well, she's not at all like Margaret Atwood, but I know when Margaret Atwood releases a book, it's going to be like a really good book because Margaret Atwood is a pro. Right, right. So I didn't, I didn't read it. So it's hard, it's hard for me to to say like I wouldn't have picked it. But I, I really thought going in that all the light we cannot see, to me, just looked like a juggernaut. Maybe not quite like Kentucky is this year in the basketball tournament, but <laughs> really like a strong number one seed because everybody. Uh, loves that book. You know, anybody I talk to just out in the world, um, you know, if they find out that I'm interested in books and reading, like, oh, have you read All the Light? We cannot see them. Like, of course I have. Because <laughs> we all have. Everybody has. You know, like I, I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago and in the Cabo San Lucas airport, I see, you know, it's the most popular book in the waiting room. So, wow. uh, uh, I just think, I thought it was a, was a real juggernaut, but, you know, the, that's the tournament. Uh, the, the wrong book and the wrong reader, and it loses. And I don't think it's like Meg Walter didn't. She obviously thought it was a, a strong book. Oh yeah, um, and, and this wasn't one of those one of those judgments where you can. I feel like there really hasn't been a judgment yet where people are just like tearing the judgment itself apart in the um, in the comment the comments this year. Yeah, it's been a very high quality year for judgments. I think. Yeah, we've gotten, uh, and a lot of that credit goes to, to uh, Rosecrans Baldwin, um, who really is in, kind of in charge of the heavy lifting of the choosing of the judges and the editing of the, of the judgments. Um, you know, those things have gone through, uh, you know, several rounds of, of editorial commentary between the, the um, judge and Rosecrans and... Um, but really, we sort of get a higher quality of judge than we used to. I mean, if you compare, like, that I was a judge the first year um, to who we 
can get now. You know, the first years it was just a lot of the contributing writers to the morning news and, and that kind of stuff now. But, um, you know, like Friday's matchup, Meg Walzer, she is a, a major, major uh, literary writer. Um, uh, you know, we've already had Tiari Jones, who is uh, Victor Laval and uh, uh, Stephen Marche, and these people, and these are like... Uh, accomplished critics and authors, so the expectations I think are high. And the other thing that happens is judges who come in now kind of know what the expectations are, right? Uh, and especially with, with the commenters ready, you know, to to call them out if they feel like like uh, the job has not been done thoroughly. I think I think the, they're they're prepared to put in the work that's required. Um. Just uh, just to prognosticate for a little bit, uh, just uh, what do you what do you think is going to happen in the first uh, two rounds on Monday and Tuesday um, next week? Or what I get maybe if you if you already know, <laughs> maybe you do. Yeah, I mean the hard part is I, the hard part is I know, but uh, what I will say is um, it's going to get more and more interesting. Um, I, I always feel like this is sort of true of every year is the, the second round, the quarterfinals, there's a little bit of a lull because, um, you know, everybody's already had their say on the books once in the first round and the second round. Uh, it seems like there's not that much to say. But once we, you know, get down to the who's going to be a zombie and who's not going to be a zombie and the stakes get a little higher uh, and the judgments mean more, I think you'll see some, some sparks. There's good stuff coming. I mean, I'm, I'm actually... Uh, super excited for um, Monday and Tuesday next week, the last two matchups of the quarterfinals. They're both uh, interesting, interesting um, pairings. I mean, I think Annihilation and Untamed State are two books that are so different, and to see them uh, juxtaposed is going to be interesting. Not I, just the judgment, but to hear everybody else talk about it, too. I, I felt like there's... Um... There's been a lot in the in the judgments recently, and I and I think that there's really this is the only way to do it. But that that a lot of uh, them say like when you look at them on the surface, they're very different. But if you go deeper, right. they're very similar. <laughs> right, right. I I think that's sort of some of that is because so many judges do it. I think others feel compelled, although I don't think they're not instructed to do this anyway. Uh, I think that's almost hard not to do when you're asked to compare books to go into his field, you know, compare and contrast mode from high school English or something. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the reality, I think, for some of this, too, is when you, especially what's happened a lot this year, where, where in general the judges like and admire both of these books, they kind of sort of wonder, well, why? You know, what is it about these books that causes me to respond to them both, and uh, you start to see these uh, things that, that join them together. Um, it, it really, the judgments are often a process of people trying to figure out their their gut reaction, right? This is something Kevin says all the time um, in the commentaries where, uh, and I'm sure you guys are like this too, it, it, when you look at if you just like a book, right? Like your response is, oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, especially for something like Annihilation or or things that I read just because I, I was going to read them or like Station Eleven. Like I, I was going to read that no matter what, you know. Right. And so. Right. And, yeah. So, yeah, I think so that you there's. like it and, and then, then to, to have to voice why 
can actually sometimes be really hard. Uh, you know, the temptation is to say, well, because I like it because I like it. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's a, there's a reason, like I've never, I never write book reviews because I, I, I'd be a terrible reviewer because really, you know, at best I could articulate why a particular book meshes with me, but I don't, I don't know if that's ever going to help somebody else decide whether or not they're going to like the book. And I sure as, as hell no, it's not going to illuminate anything interesting critically. So I admire, you know, the people who can, who can tell me something else about the world uh, after they've read a book. I, I admire, my response is just sort of like thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> you know, I, I liked it or I didn't, or I responded emotionally in an interesting way or I didn't. Um, well, there's something sort of childlike in that way. Yeah. There's something cool about, um, you have yet to steer me wrong with a book that you have recommended me uh, in one way or another, whether it's the tournament. I mean, I remember in the the recap closing judgment last year, you recommended Department of Speculation, and I won out and bought it like that day or maybe a couple of days later. Um, right. But I mean, even going back to the earliest days of the Bibli Oracle, and, you know, I remember you recommended me Gravity's Rainbow, and I went nuts about it. Um, well, yeah, there's some people like... Uh, no offense, but you're easy. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, there's some people who, particularly with the bibliographical stuff, right, where I ask people to, to send me the five books they read most recently and I'll tell them what to read next. There's some people where you can just tell from the books that they're reading that they're quote-unquote readers. And then all you have to do is put a good book in front of it. It almost doesn't matter. Uh what kind of book it is. It just has to be a good one. And it's not that I don't think I have taste. Like, I definitely have, have taste. I just have a hard time articulating, you know, the, the what happens between my personal response and what that means in the world. Um, so I, I think, uh, and I have pretty broad enjoyment of books. Like, uh, I've never, even though, you know, sort of my education and own work is, literary fiction, I've, I've never sort of um, confined myself to to that. Um, right, box. actually. So, you know, like Annihilation, when I when people were sort of raving about that when it came out, I'm like, oh, I should check this out. Yeah, I'm glad I checked this out. Right. I liked it. Um, actually, just to switch gears a little bit, because you are an author in your own right, and you just had um, a tough day for the army uh, come out. This past year, and I just wanted to um, to ask a couple questions on, on your own writing style, um, as long as we have you here, if that's okay. Sure, um, I would be glad to. <laughs> so, how does I mean? I noticed that like the it's an incredibly varied co- uh, collection with a lot of different fo- playing with form and voice and character, and I was sort of curious if um, if editing the McSweeney's Internet tendency had anything any sort of impact on your writing style. Oh, it's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it has. The, some of the variety in the collection is just a kind of natural outgrowth of the time span that, that some of the stories um, come from. Like the, the oldest story probably dates to like 1996, 1997, and um, the newest one would be like 2012, 2013. So a lot of it is is kind of just 
changing as a person and as a writer over that time. But there are a lot of stories in there that essentially rely on um, a humorous conceit, you know, what if premise. Um, uh, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember the title of it, but there's one of a um, of a, a researcher on the on the killing floor at a, um, a meat right. a meat um, factory. Right. And um, so yeah, and that's, like that. That's a. Uh, uh, That's that, a good example of that, that sort of saying. It's, uh, I can't remember the whole title either, but it's like return to sensibility problems of, uh, you know, plants, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, and that just that came out from an article. I read an actual uh, study of that that was published in the Journal of the American Vet- Veterinary Medical Association because my wife is a veterinarian and she gets these things. Uh, and it was a study, and the reason I read it is because it was written by Temple Grandin. Do you guys know who that is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was played by uh, Claire Danes in a biopic for HBO. So this this is her research field, how to more um, humanely kill meat. And uh, it was written in this very dispassionate style. Right. Um, clinical, because this is, you know, it's a research study. And I just begin to think, well, what if that were done by somebody who just can't handle it? Right. Yeah. Overwhelmed by these things. And what would that read like? Uh, and that kind of what if gives me a story. Um, there's another one. Uh, uh, homosexuals threaten the sanctity of Norman's marriage. Oh, my God. One of the best where, titles. <laughs> so, so that one was really, you know, I was like listening to the radio and and... Uh, you know, the debate about marriage rights and here's some some like uh, Jerry Falwell or something talk about the sanctity of marriage and how uh, gay marriage is letting uh, gays and lesbians get married. Married is somehow threatening the sanctity of marriage. And I just decided to take it literally. So, you know, I'm like, well, what if a pack, a literal pack of homosexuals showed up on this guy's lawn and started <laughs> criticizing his marriage? <laughs> and, uh, I don't. I didn't. I have nothing else other than that idea. But that idea is sort of enough to to get something in motion. And a lot of that is similar to to what you read on McSweeney's, which is you know just a humorous conceit. A what if? Right. Uh, what if? Uh, what if certain things happened and we put them in in uh, in conjunction with each other, and maybe something sort of interesting happens. So yeah, I think uh, I think spending a lot of time. Early when in my kind of publishing career, writing humor has inevitably bled over to how I approach writing more straightforward fiction. Right, right. And actually, I was sort of curious because, you know, I can tell that some of the stories come out of that sort of like, oh, I'm reading this and now what if? But I was also curious if if any of these started more in a... um, like, did you think any of these started as novel ideas and then they sort of didn't end up having legs or, or, um, you know, did, did you not include stories that you, you realize, you realized that they did have legs later? Like, uh, I guess putting together the collection and process is the question here. I'm just wording it poorly. Right. Right. You know, the, the, actually the title story, uh, a tough day for the army is, was the first chapter of a novel I was writing. Um, well, it's in, in its original incarnation, uh, prior to 9-11. And the conceit was, 
is how how uh, maybe crazy and stupid the idea was. But the conceit was, now that we had, had been at peace so long, uh, we had no use for armies anymore. So the army was going to be out of work. <laughs> and because uh, the, the story, the opening of the story, they're in a kind of employment agency uh, in the story in the book. And uh, there was going to be a ch- each chapter was going to be kind of a chapter of a larger thing, but also a standalone story where the army goes out on different jobs. Right. <laughs> where, right. Uh, like playground monitor at a school. Um, they're going to have like a filing job in an office and this kind of stuff. And it was very, you know, kind of very postmodern and, uh, uh, you know, sort of inspired by, by Donald Bartholomew and this kind of stuff. And it was really the only way I could imagine writing a novel. I didn't have the, the mindset to figure out how to write a sustained narrative. Um, and I probably got about 25,000, 30,000 words into it, and then 9-11 happened. Oh, man. And uh, uh, it's like, well... There's no such thing as out-of-work armies anymore. In fact, it's the opposite. So I ended up kind of rewriting it about, you know, the life of, of armies being used by others for their for their needs. So yeah, there's there's a couple uh, there's a couple in there that had different births. There's a story called Poet Farmers about a couple who um, a couple of farmers who uh, have a bad crop, but some poets come looking for inspiration, and they decide to plant the poets instead. <laughs> they, start, they start harvesting their poems, and they publish them, and when the poets are prized, that was actually a poem I wrote in graduate school that I, I liked. It was the one poem I wrote in my life that I thought was half decent, so I didn't want to waste it. Right. Nice. Story. Uh, um, well, why don't we... Um I don't know if we can call on you for your biblioracle, you know, prognostication of that sort, um, but we would... I shall try. But yeah, the last, um, the last five story. I mean, the re- last five novels we read for the show were um, three from the, um, from the tournament, A Brave Man, Seven Stories Tall, The Bone Clocks, and Everything I Never Told You. And then before we started getting tournament crazy, um, we read Stephen King's Revival and Lena Dunham's Not That Kind of Girl. So, what uh, do you have anything for us there? But, and I know, I know, Drew, you definitely you love the Bone Clocks, right? Yeah, unabashedly. Right. Okay. All right. So, hmm. she's always on when I have to do it live. <laughs> uh, I'm going to recommend. I'm going to recommend a book from last year that uh, I made an effort at getting into the tournament, but it was. Um, Ultimately, I knew it was going to happen. Like, I had already put all my chips in on the brave man, uh, seven stories tall. And I wasn't going to, wasn't going to, uh, up and down and stamp my feet and hold my breath until I turned blue for another book. <laughs> uh, but it was a really, it was a really good and interesting book. Uh, and it's, uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Oh. And David Schaefer. Do you guys remember this book from last year at all? Yeah, yeah, like totally. I've never seen the cover. cover. Uh, I remember that yeah. when, um, when it came, it got like a crazy gigantic rave on the New York Times. Like, it's too late to name a book of the summer because the summer's over. But this should have been the book of the summer. It's a, it's an interesting. It's actually a really cool and interesting book that I think I think did well, but I think it didn't do as well as it could because it's kind of it's somewhere in between, like just a straight up um, conspiracy thriller and uh, like a Thomas Pynchon novel. Oh, cool. Uh, oh, that sounds so, great. It's not so, 
it's not so weird as Pynchon. Um, you know, not quite so uh, scattered as some of his books, even though mm-hmm. I, I love his books. Um, but it's also not as straightforward in terms of being like a, a, a thriller where you're going to get, um, you know, a hero solving a problem and it's going to wrap up neat and tidy. It's kind of a blend of those things. And I was really, I was sort of really knocked out by it um, as, as a kind of hybrid of these things. My, my hope is that there's a sequel. Like, I think there's, I thought there was room for a sequel when I finished it. And I even tried writing as publicist, <laughs> publicist to see if I could, see if I could get any inside intelligence, but as of yet, nothing has been released. But I think um, particularly, um, you know, if if you both like something like the Bone Clocks and Pension and that kind of stuff, I think it's I think it's a really cool book. Awesome. Um, cool. All right, thank you. So that's uh for those listening, that'll be the first book that we uh we discuss post tournament. Uh so Oh my god, so, I didn't know that I <laughs> now the pressure's really on. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, so it better be really good. <laughs> if you if you uh well, if you hate it, uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we'll just blame you and get really angry. For sure. We'll make our own comment section. Let me take it out. Yeah, no, we'll, <laughs> we'll troll the Biblioracle column in the, uh, in the Tribune and just be like, don't, don't give him anything. He's terrible. I'll, um, be, I'll be listening so, uh, you know, I can, I can take it. Don't hold back. <laughs> okay. Well, that, um, yeah, we're, you know, all joking aside, I, I'm really excited about that, um, that Whiskey Tango Foxtrot book. And um, I'm hoping, uh, I'm excited to have the discussion about it. Yeah, so, I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah. But, uh, so, but thanks for... I, I hope it works out. Thanks for coming by uh, uh, So Many Damn Books and the Damn Library. We really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to uh, this next week of uh, literary blood sport over on the morning news. Yeah, and if uh, if you listeners want John to give you a recommendation, he's uh, over at the Chicago Tribune, and he's on Twitter at BiblioOracle, and is just generally a smart guy about books. Oh, and Tough Day for the Army. Amazing collection of short stories. Yeah, it's really, really, really terrific. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm a, I'm a fan of the podcast. So I'm glad you guys are doing it. Well, thanks so much. Thanks, John. Well, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, if you enjoyed listening to him, you can show your gratitude by picking up Tough Day for the Army. Yeah, or, uh, which, is, which is just a really fun collection. If you actually, I actually would really, um, I mentioned it during the interview, but if you are, you're a fan of McSweeney's Internet Tendency, um, it actually kind of feels sort of built out from that. Like uh, if, those, if like, uh, one of those humor pieces was built out into a robust story, a yeah. lot, some of them f- really feel like that. And um, if you like that, you can go further down the rabbit hole with The Funny Man, his, mm-hmm. his delightfully strange novel that uh, I've been pushing into people's hands for a couple of years now. Um, and speaking of the end of the tournament, or speaking of the... Yeah. The, no, this is a bad segue. I'm going to try to ask you how, what you're reading during the tournament. That's fine. That's a fine segue. Yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a very really good segue. Bad. It's fine. Anyway, oh, so... I, I am currently reading um, 
and I was doing this a little bit during my tournament reading just to break it up, but now it's sort of become a trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, short stories in mm. between oh, me too. and during all the novels. Um, right now, Harper put out a couple of years ago a lovely little set of sort of old novelist short stories, and one of them is Oscar Wilde. It's called A Model Millionaire. Mm. And it's just, it's fun. It's delightful. It's the perfect sort of get you in the mood for spring, you know, very flowery language. He's having a lot of fun. And then in the end, there's like just a nice satirical twist. And you're like, oh, I wish I could have been friends with you. Yeah. Uh, how about yourself? I'm reading uh, Kelly Link's Get in Trouble. Hey, how is it? It's so, so good. It's so good. Um, usually with a story collection, I end up skimming one just because I'm like, ah, subject matter doesn't interest me. And I just, I can't skip a single one of these stories. They're so, they're great. And I actually, um, I've read a couple like a few times because they're just, they seem like feats. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's, that's high praise. Particularly origin story. If you're just going to look at it in the bookstore and see if you want to read it, origin story is the one that I'm just, I, I kind of like my jaw dropped after I finished reading it. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, listeners, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Um, or in the comments. Yeah, in the comments on the morningnews.org slash TOB. I really can't imagine you're listening to this podcast without knowing <laughs> that by now. But in case you're really dedicated to just listening to our voices, um, yeah, check out the tournament. It's just it's just the most fun and the best sort of people in the comments. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Nelson to suplex, reverse, worried look on the face of the ringside nurse at one. <laughs>